welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. Amen. Psalms chapter 62, beginning at verse number one. Listen to David as he says, Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Somebody say, I shall not be greatly moved. How long? Will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall ye be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but curse. Anyway, y'all didn't know that he was prophetically looking at D.C., did you? They delight in lies. They bless with their mouths. But they curse inwardly. Selah. That means stop and think about what I just said. Meditate on that. I I wish we could do that in church. Man, we'd lose people for about 30 seconds. They'd start clipping fingernails and checking Facebook. But back then, they'd stop. They would sing that song, and then they'd stop. And then they would meditate on what they just heard. Now watch this. After he meditated, now watch what David says. My soul, wait thou only upon God. For my expectation is from him. He's singing some of the same things. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Now, just a minute ago, he said, I shall not be greatly moved. After he thought about his rock and salvation, he goes, you know what? I ain't even going to be moved. Not even a little bit. When I think of him as my defense and my salvation and my rock, after I say I did it for a moment, I found out I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Think about it. Surely men of low degree and vanity are vanity and men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance. They are altogether lighter than vanity. Verse 10. Trust not in oppression. And become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. I love verse 11. God hath spoken once. Twice have I heard this. That power belongeth to God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belong mercy. For thou renderest to every man according to his work. Now y'all know why I read all 12 verses of that. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? I want to extrapolate from verse number 11. Read this with me. God hath spoken once. Twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Power belongeth unto God. He said it once, but I heard it twice. Power 
belongeth. He said it once, but I heard it twice. Power belongeth unto God. I want you to help me preach today. I want to preach on this thought, the echo of God. The echo of, he said it once, but I heard it twice. Power belongeth unto God. Let's pray together right now. God, you are wonderful, and we're so thankful for your mercy and your grace that we feel in this place. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint each and every one of us, God, to not only be hearers but doers also of your word. Lord, I pray that you would break forth in this house. God, that there would be healing, that there would be restoration, there would be salvation and deliverance. And Lord, we pray all of these things in your holy name, in Jesus' mighty name. And the church of the Lord said, Amen. And would you just thank the Lord one more time before you're seated? you can be seated amen brother josh i forgot to say this i brother josh would you stand real fast he closed out last semester with straight a's in bible college we are so proud of brother josh repping first church at christian life college amen and thank you, Brother Josh. Amen. You can be safe. If you, if you want to bless him, he commutes back and forth every week. You go right ahead, and he deserves it. He's putting in the heart. And then Brother Marcel in our Woodland camp, uh, Campus finished with all A's and B's. And so First Church is being represented really, really well. Amen. Praise God. Now, now today, I, I want to use this particular psalm to establish um, a premise of two points that are a biblical fact. Number one. God speaks. God speaks. And number two, if God speaks, then his voice must echo. So let me begin this afternoon by declaring, my God is a speaking God. Let me say that again. My God is a speaking God. The book of Genesis begins the entire epitaph of God's word by saying, in the beginning, God. It doesn't seek to prove to intellect that he exists. It does not seek to, by reason, begin to philosophize that he exists. The Bible just says, in the beginning, God. And if you're going to accept anything that follows after those three words, then you're going to have to have faith that not only that he is, but he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Because he is God. In the beginning, God. The Bible doesn't seek to prove him through science or philosophy or by reason of man. As a matter of fact, man has given its entire history to try to disprove that God exists. And try to disprove through science and philosophy that God does not exist. But over and over again, God will not be mocked. Because his word is true and proves itself true every day the bible shows that god steps on the scene as a speaking god he steps to the edge of of darkness and hurls into place through the gravitational pull he stops this spinning floating rock in the midst of nothing 
And the Bible said that the earth was without form and it was void. And God said, Light, go on ahead. And there was light. And he made the greater light to rule in the day and the lesser light in the night. From the waters he created fish. From the air he created birds. He created every creeping thing. Every living thing. God created it with his word. Because he's a speaking God. I said he's a speaking God. He's not a God of wood or stone. He's not a, a God of silver or gold. He's not a statue. He is not an idol. He is not some inanimate object, but he is a living God. He is a God that has spoken, is speaking, and will continue to speak because he is a speaking God. And my Bible says where the word of a king is there's power so when my God speaks things begin to happen I said when my God speaks things begin to happen he can speak to nothing and make something he can speak to something and make nothing just at his word everybody say he's a speaking God he's a speaking he's still speaking today God has not went silent. We don't, we don't pitch our lot with those of the, since, uh, the cessationists who say that God no longer speaks since the time of the apostles. We don't believe that God has ceased in miracles, that God has ceased in speaking. We don't believe that God has ceased in moving. We don't believe that God has ceased in saving. We believe that God is even right now active in that process because he is a, seek, a speaking God to a seek people he will speak to those who will seek after him and if you seek him he will speak to you and although it's not always an audible voice you can go to his recorded word and every time you read the pages of, of that black bound book he's going to speak to you and he's going to speak clearly to you Because he's a speaking God. And if I want my God to do anything, I want him to speak. Because when my God speaks, things begin to change. You may want a you may want a blessing God. You may want a dancing God. You may want a token God. You may want a big belly Buddha God that you can rub his belly every once in a while and feel good about you. But I want a speaking God. I want a God that will open his mouth to my situation. I want a God who will look at my sickness and say healing. I want a God who will look at my depression and say peace. I want a God who will look at my fear and say, No, I'm gonna give you joy. I want a God to look at my depravity and and sinful nature and say forgiveness salvation redemption he's a he's a speaking god somebody shout a speaking god say it one more time he's a speaking god elbow your neighbor and say he's a speaking god he speaks he talks he's a, he's a speaking god there's power in his word. The apostle John opens his letter by emphatically declaring that not only is he a speaking God, 
but he is his word. John opens the door in the New Testament and says, not only does he speak, but he is what he speaks, and what he speaks he is, and you cannot separate him from his word. Because John said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness. Verse 14 says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the, as the glory of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. So John took it to another level and said, not only does my God speak, but whatever proceeds out of his mouth he is. Oh, hallelujah. And when he says it, he is it. You can't distinguish him from his word. And most of you know that, 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 that the Bible, the New Testament, was not written in English. I think we're all pretty clear on that. The New Testament was written in Greek. And, and, and John is writing in, in Greek, and he, he pulls, he chooses from three Greek words that uh, uh, pathos and logos and, and uh, I believe the other one's Aranos, the three Greek words that mean word. But he took the word, let me know what it is in Greek, Logos. And he took it and he spoke of, of Jesus and he said, he is the Logos. In the beginning was the Logos and the Logos was with God and, and the Logos was God and the Logos was made flesh. But when you study to find the definition of the Greek word because you need to go to the origin of it, the etymology of the word and you study it out. And I know I've shared this before but I'm going to share it again. And you study it out and you go who gave the definition to the word Logos specifically since Patheos was an older word but but it was the it was Socrates, the philosopher that came up with the first definition of the word logos that would distinguish it from Patheos. And, and he said that the word logos meant thought. And so that John would read like this in John 1 1 and 1 14 would literally read, In the beginning was the thought, and the thought was with God, and the thought was God, and the thought, verse 14, was made flesh, and, and we beheld the thought. But Socrates had a student by the name of Plato. And Plato said, I'm, I'm not going to stick with that definition. I believe Logos is, is, a, is more detailed than that. And so Plato didn't change it. He just added to it and said there's a more defined, clear understanding to Logos to give it a preeminence of the definition. He says that, that Logos doesn't mean thought alone, but it means thought of thoughts. And so, so John 1 and 1 would literally read like this. In the beginning was the thought of thoughts. And the thought of thoughts was with God. And the thought of thoughts was God. And the thought of thoughts was made flesh. And we beheld him. That's a pretty good definition. 
But Plato had a student by the name of Aristotle. And Aristotle said they didn't finish it quite well. Because Logos needs to have personal possession or ownership. We can't leave it out there to just float about like this. So the final definition of the word logos in the Greek came to Aristotle through the influence of Socrates and Plato uh, 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 or uh, Plato. It came to this to where Aristotle said it's not just thought. It's not just thought of thoughts, but he gave ownership and said that logos literally means the thinker of the thought of thoughts. So John 1, 1 and 1, 14 would literally read, in the beginning was the thinker of the thought of thoughts. And the thinker of the thought of thoughts was with God. And the thinker of the thought of thoughts was God. And the thinker of the thought of thoughts was made flesh and dwelled among us and we beheld the thinker. Because you can't say something without thinking about it. You see, words don't begin in the mouth. They begin in the thought process. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You can't say, well, I didn't mean to say. You meant to say that. Words don't fly out of your mouth on accident. You meant to say your brain formulated it. It wound that insult up like Sandy Koufax on the pitcher's mound, and it spit it right out of your mouth. God is the same way. Nothing accidentally comes out of the mouth of God unless it first goes through the mind of God. Oh, he's a speaking God this afternoon. I said he's a speaking God this afternoon. Amen. Because when the thought gets in the mind of God, then from the mind of God, it will proceed out of the mouth of God. And when God begins to think about things. You see, you see, you got to understand that God and his thoughts and his word is not separate from himself because Matthew 24, 35, Mark 13, 31, and Luke 21, 33 all say the exact same three, the, the same words exactly recorded in three different gospels. It says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. In other words, God ain't going to stop thinking and he ain't going to stop speaking. And once he thinks a thing, and once he speaks a thing, hold on to me, I'm going somewhere. Once he thinks a thing, and he speaks a thing, you best believe it's going to come to pass exactly like he thought it, and exactly like he said it. Oh, I feel my help here this afternoon. I'm discerning that there are some folks in this place right now saying, Pastor, I believe exactly what you're saying, but Pastor, I'm not hearing from God right now. I can't hear God right now. I feel like the heavens are brass. I feel like I'm in a desert place. I'm in a valley, and I can't hear God. Amen. And if I can't hear him, amen, I don't know what to do. Well, you can take consolation in this. If you can't hear the voice of God, then you better take faith in this. That if God ain't speaking to you, he is thinking about you. That's why I can dance when God ain't even speaking to me. That's why I can shout for victory when I don't hear God's voice. Because I got confidence if he ain't talking to me, he is thinking about me. 
And if I can get God to even think about my situation. See, God ain't got ADHD. If I, he's not getting distracted from your plight right now. He's not, he hasn't gotten sidetracked from your situation. He hasn't got confused about your conflict. He's looking at it. He may not be talking, but in his mind, he's thinking. He's looking at your sickness and he's thinking. He's looking at your anxiety and he's thinking. He's looking at your sin and he's thinking. He's looking at your pain and he's thinking. He's looking at it all. I know you want to hear from God. I do too, but guess what? When he ain't speaking, he's thinking. I, I appreciate those of you that shouted, but for the rest of you that didn't move you because you're thinking, does God think? Well, yes, he does. Well, pastor, what does God think about? That's a good question. What does God think about? Because um, this is an intelligent audience, and so you would ask that question, not just let me say God's thinking about it, but what is God thinking? Somebody ask me, what God thinking about? Now, so you didn't convince me that you wanted to know the answer. Say that again. What's God thinking about? Well, I'm so glad you asked because he told Jeremiah in 29, 11, he said, I know the thoughts I think towards you. I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected... You see, you think God got distracted. He didn't get distracted. He was thinking about you. He's thinking about peace, not of evil. He's thinking to give you an expected. I know what God's thinking about. You ain't shout because you ain't got a word. You ought to shout because you got a thought that he's thinking about me. We used, to, we used to sing your song, woke up this morning with my mind, stayed on Jesus. Well, I woke up this morning with my mind, and it was stayed on Jesus. Said I woke up this morning with my mind, and it was stayed on. Now, hold on. That's not what Jesus sings. Because my Bible tells me the God, I, the God of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. So he don't wake up with you on his mind. You never got off his mind. You've been on his mind since before he formed the world. He's been thinking about you. While you were asleep, he was thinking about you. While you were panicking, he was thinking about you. While you were hurting, he was thinking about you. Oh, and if I can just get God to think about it, he's going to turn it all the way around. Come on, turn around and tell three people, he's thinking about me. He's thinking about me. Tell somebody else, he's thinking about you. He's thinking about you.
His words have life. His thought has the potential of life. Because whatever he thinks becomes. He can't, you see, God can't daydream. He might just start creating worlds and other universes. He's an intentional God. He said, I know the thoughts I think of you. Thoughts of good. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you an expected end, that means he's got expectation for you. He's thinking about your expectation. And the only thing that can derail the thought of God is our lack of obedience to the word of his thought. Hallelujah. Because if he thinks a thing, it's going to come to pass. So I don't, I, I'm not just going to shout over his word. I'm going to shout over his thought. I, matter of fact, if you would, I, and I know this isn't theologically accurate, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat God to the punch. I'm just going to go ahead and dance before I get the word. Because I know he's thinking of peace. I know he's thinking of healing. I know he's thinking of victory. I know he's thinking of breakthrough. I know he's thinking of joy. I know he's thinking about saving my family. I... And my God's thinking about me. And he's looking at me. So I don't know about all that. He's thinking about me. The Bible said his eyes upon the sparrow. And if he cares that much to watch a sparrow when it falls, honey, how much you think he's staring at you? While God's looking at me and thinking about it. And he's looking and he's thinking about it. And he hasn't opened his mouth yet and he hasn't spoken it to me, but he's thinking about it. I want to beat him to the punch before the words can go from his mind to his mouth. I just want to go, wow, hallelujah, yes. Because whatever God thinks, it becomes. The Bible says God is a man that he should not lie. I, I, I used to preach all the time. I heard all my, God can't lie. Well, not necessarily. It's not necessarily true. It's God is not a man that he should lie. It didn't say that God's not a man that he can't lie. Bible said he put a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets one time. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good now. It's not that he can't, that it's not possible. It's just, how do I say this? His word is so powerful, lies become truth to him. What color suit am I wearing? That, that was a pass or fail. If you didn't get it, you just go to the back of the line. What color suit am I wearing? Blue, you're telling the truth. Tell me my suit's red. You're a liar. You just told a lie. My suit's blue. It ain't red. There's a big difference between you and God. You don't have the power to change when you speak like God does. Because if God looks at my blue suit and says it's red, before his lips ever stop moving, this suit just turned Kool-Aid red. Oh, I'm in the book right now. Because when God looks at something, it's not that he can't lie. It's just his word is so powerful when he speaks it, whatever is not becomes. 
That's why he can see a dead body four days in a tomb and say, get up, Lazarus, and that dead body gets up. That's why he can speak to a blind man and say, see. That's why he can speak to a lame man who ain't ever walked in his life and said, get up and walk. It wasn't that Jesus was lying. His word is so powerful that when he said, get up, that bones had to strengthen and sinew and muscle had to grow. You keep saying you're broke. You got the Holy Ghost, so you got power. You're going to stay broke. Keep saying you're depressed. You got the Holy Ghost. You got power, so you'll stay depressed. But the Bible said, uh, if you open up your mouth and speak faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of... I'm going to call those things that are not as if they already were. I'm going to speak to an empty bank account and say blessed. I'm going to speak to a hurting back and say healed. I'm going to speak to cancer and say reversed. I'm going to speak to a bad relationship and say God fix it. Hallelujah. Oh, you're, you're, we're starting to get the glimpse of the power of a speaking God. See, hell's been looking at you and saying curse, but God, God's thinking about you and saying blessed. Hell's looking at you and, he's, and hell is saying sinner, faulty, not right alienated from the faith cut off God's thinking about you saying saved redeemed forgiven blood washed sanctified Holy Ghost filled water baptized in Jesus name hell looks at you and says can't but God thinks about you and says can I think we've established that he's a speaking God. And, and, and Brother Chase, if he's a speaking God, then that means his voice can be heard and it can be echoed. It can be echoed. You, you may say, well, that, I mean, what's, what's the point in that? Well, well I'll tell you. Um, if I can find echo in Scripture, you going to believe this? Good, you should. You shouldn't take word for it. You should take Bible for it. Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse number 28. Sister Livy, if you'll jump over there with me. We're going, we're going to read about nine verses of Scripture here. You're going to get some more Bible. Amen. Get caught up on your Bible reading. Verse number 4. Excuse me. Verse number 28. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. Now, let me just give you a little context. Jesus just got done preaching his first sermon. And as he gave an altar call, they were filled with wrath. That word means they violently hated him. Violently hated him. 
He gives his first sermon, and nobody went and patted him on the back and said, good preaching, Jesus. You're awesome. How can I sow seed in your ministry? How can I be a part of what's happening? in your? No, they walked up to him. They wanted to kill him. The Bible said they rose up and thrust him out of the city. They shoved him out of the city. And the Bible said, and they led him to the brow of a hill. That means they led him to a cliff. And they were going to cast him dead down headlong. How many knows what the translation that? That means they were going to murder him. Why? Because of what he preached. Amen. I've been places they didn't receive me. And I thought, I ain't nowhere near Jesus. And they didn't receive him. Guess I'm doing all right. Verse number 30, but he passing through the midst of them went his way. Let me just pause and say that. That's how awesome Jesus is. They sought to kill him, and he just like a ghost, he just slipped them. Just, I mean, he went through them like a hot knife through butter. They couldn't even touch him. He just slipped right on out. Amen. When you got confidence in your calling, and came down, verse 31, to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath day. Because religious people didn't want to hear from him. The religious people didn't want anything that Jesus had to say. So he went down to the poorer people and he, because they wanted to hear him. Verse 32. And they were astonished at the blessings he gave out. They were shocked at his TV ministry. They were astonished at his little blessing handkerchief and little Jerusalem vial of water. They were astonished at his doctrine. For his word was with. His word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? Yes, I know thee, thou who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him saying, hold thy peace. That's the King James, that's, that's the King's very fancy English of saying, shut your mouth and get out. When the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spake among them, saying, What a... What a word is this! For with authority and power, he commandeth unclean spirits, and they come out. Verse 37, and the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. And the fame of him. Now, I said earlier, this Bible wasn't written in English, it was written in Greek. Now, when you start looking at that word fame, the word fame does not merely mean popular, although it does have that connotation. But the Greek word that was used by Luke 
in verse 37 for fame in Greek is echos. It's where we get the English word echo. Hallelujah. And when the power of his word astonished them and they marveled at the power of his preaching, the Bible said, and the fame, the echo of him went out. The echo of him went out into every place all the way around the countryside went out an echo of him. Now there are two main definitions of echo. You got time for this? Good. The enchiladas are still warm. Don't worry about it. Are we eating enchiladas today? Is that what it is? Two main definitions. I checked with uh, Mr. Miriam Webster. We had to talk about what echo means. And uh, Mr. Miriam Webster told me that the word echo actually has two main definitions and I'm going to read them and then I'm going to scripturally prove both of those definitions. The first definition of echo is the repetition of a sound caused by the reflection of sound waves. That's, you know, that's what I thought it meant, Brother Strickland. That's exactly what I thought it was going to mean. It was going to mean that sound waves just started bouncing. Now, we got a sound engineer in here, and he's checking my math right now. He's, I can see in his brain he's going through his computer. If pastor misses this one, I'm going to set him straight. I know what an echo is. It's the, it's the repetition of a sound caused by reflection of sound waves. It also means the sound due to such reflection. In other words, it's bouncing. That's why we had a devil of a time trying to get sound to work over on Orange Drive because them walls were slick before we had put them soundboards back up. And you'd say, hello, like this. And you'd go, bam, 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 hello, 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 hello. It was, it was a nightmare because it was echoing or reverberating. The vibrations would hit and just bounce off the walls. It was only spoken once. But it was heard a whole lot more than once. You, you see, the first definition of echo is a reflection. Now, now, let me give you a visual scriptural proof of the echo of God. Jesus says, ye are the light of the world. A city set up on a hill which cannot be Ye are the Light, uh, but you are not the light. You are a reflection of the light. You see, we got a moon that shines in the nighttime sky that illuminates so that we can see somewhat at night. Although not perfect, we can see at night. And I know some of y'all probably you grew up out or maybe back in the day when it was a little more accessible to do. I know we did. You did. We'd drive the back roads on a full moon, turn the headlights off your car, just drive. We thought we were so cool driving by moonlight at night. 
You could see them back, or you could see you could see way down the road, and because the moon was so bright. But but I'm, I know I'm not shocking any of the scholars in this room with this. But you do realize the moon does not have its own light. It's a reflective light. The moon takes the light from the power of the sun. It absorbs it, and when it gets dark, then it reflects the power and light it was given onto the earth that there might be light in the evening time. So in the way the moon reflects the sun, Jesus said you are the light of the world. Oh, hold on. I feel the Holy Ghost here because, because John said it like this. Uh, and I said it in your hearing. Uh, the same was in the beginning with, with God. All things were made by him. Without, any, without him was not anything made that was made. In him was the light. And the light was the light. Life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness. So that tells me that Jesus is the light of the world. He's the originating source. He is the sun. S-O-N and S-U-N. And we reflect his light. If you would, we echo the light of God. That's why you got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Because you don't want to echo the darkness of the devil. You want to echo the light of God. <laughs> Look at somebody and tell them you're the light of the world. No, no, no. Let, let me give you the second definition. This is what Mr. Webster told me. The second definition is a repetition or imitation of another. And he breaks it down a little bit more and said, one who closely imitates or repeats another's words, ideas, or acts. So when the Bible said that Jesus was, his fame went out, his echo went out through all the country. Jesus said it like this. I did not come to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Jesus, let me paraphrase, said, I've come to echo. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Then Jesus said, you shall be like I am. It's the echo of God. We echo it. We imit. Paul said it like this. Echo me as I echo Christ. No, he said follow me, but the word follow me means imitate, duplicate, cross-referencing the same meaning of the word echo. <laughs> echo me as I echo Christ. Christ said echo me as I echo the Father. Now, for those of you getting confused about the Trinity, this is real simple. Jesus is the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
Now, I've got to start bringing this to a close because Brother Garza didn't tell me what time I started. The word echo is found in two places in the New Testament. Two places in Greek. <clears throat> two places. One was in Luke 4 where Jesus' fame, it, it echo, Jesus echoed throughout the country. All right? Can I share with you where the second place is? I'm preaching about the echo of God. It goes something like this. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound. Echoes. There came a echo from heaven and it filled all the house where they were sitting cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. You see the first echo, amen of scripture was Luke saying that Jesus was echoed. He was framed everywhere and then the second echo is in Acts chapter 2 when we were baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost we don't speak a language that comes from ourselves. We don't speak a sound that comes from ourselves but Acts 2 and 2 says it is the echo of God it is the echo of God let me preach to a Holy Ghost filled child of God right now it ain't just gibberish you're speaking when you talk in tongues it's the echo of God it is Bible said they were all filled with the Spirit and spoke with tongues as the Spirit. I need a Bible college student. Whose Spirit filled them? God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So if they were filled with the Spirit, capital S, and spoke with tongues as the Spirit, capital S, that means that noise didn't originate in me. Acts 2 said it originated in heaven. And they echoed out the sound of God. My God. My God, that ought to give you fresh fire about being baptized with the Holy Ghost. I ain't ashamed to be a one God apostolic, Jesus name, tongue talking, aisle running, pew jumping, devil stomping, child of God. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I know I am. How do you know you're filled with the Holy Ghost? I heard the echo of God. It came out of me. Now, now, isn't this great stuff? It's in your Bible. It's right there. It's a, there came a sound, echoes. From, there came an echo from heaven of a, as Billy Cole would say, a rushing mighty wind. He could also say, ruffles have ridges. Y'all remember that 80s commercial about chips, amen. He said there came a sound, echoes from heaven, like of a rushing mighty wind. The word wind there in the Greek means breath. 
or the power of respiration. It means God breathed. Some of you are going, Pastor, you're stretching this. No, I'm not. The Bible said before Jesus went on to Calvary, the Bible said he looked at the disciples and he went, he went, received you the Holy Ghost and they went. I'm convinced they didn't go, they didn't do that stuff. They just looked like, well, man, he needs a tic-tac blowing on me like that. I know he's the son of God and everything, but dear Lord, he's flesh. He said, he went, receive you the Holy Ghost. They didn't fall out like, you know, the Benny Hens. I'm convinced. I am convinced. They just looked at each other and went, okay. They didn't catch it. Now, some of y'all go, oh, they caught, they knew exactly. No, them, fuck, them dudes didn't know half the time what God was saying. That's why he had to pull them aside and say, come here, dummy. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about this. Come over here and sit down. He does it to me all the time. I'll, I'll read scripture and I'm driving down the road two hours later and God says, hey, dummy, slow down a little bit. Let me tell you what you read about earlier. He said, God talks to you like that? Yes, he talks to me. He, t- he talks to me in a way I can understand. Because if he came to me like James Earl Jones, I wouldn't understand him. If he came across like Morgan Freeman, I wouldn't understand him. But he comes to me in a way that I can understand. Hey, dummy, sit down. Let me tell you something about what you just read. That's what he did with the disciples all the time. Come here, come here, come here, come here. I know what I said to them, but let, let me explain it to you a little bit more. But this time he didn't do it. He just went, receive you the Holy Ghost. Okay. A few days later, they're in the upper room. A few weeks later, they're praying. They're tarrying for 10 days. When all of a sudden, they finally clicked. They got in one accord. It doesn't mean a Honda. They got in one accord. And they got in one place. And once it finally clicked, one accord, one place. As soon, I don't know who that 120th person was, but I'm sure they were looking around going, who, who is the dummy that just won't get in the accord around here? We've been praying for Ten blasted days. I ain't ate nothing in ten days. Y'all better get your head in this game. I ain't going to take much more of this. And all of a sudden, the 120th lined up. And, it, and as soon as it clicked, Acts 2 and 1 happened. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, suddenly there came an echo from heaven. The sound of a mighty breathing. Because God's spirit is never stagnant. It goes from glory to glory. It goes from strong to stronger. And when it started as a, it came back as a rushing mighty wind echoing out of heaven. And when it echoed out of heaven, they began to speak with tongues. It's the echo of God. Hallelujah. I'm convinced a lot of our services are just one person, one person from getting in the spirit away, from turning into an unstoppable force of God's presence in our city. 
We got that 119th person still wondering, amen, what's for supper? Or that 119th person that's still wondering if, if they can squeak in a sneak peek at, at, at their social media. Or that 119th, 120th person who's still ticked off because somebody took their parking spot and they're not sitting in the chair they're usually sitting in because somebody else is sitting there. But the moment we get over our pettiness and the moment we click in and we... The moment we unify, the moment we unite in the spirit, then there's coming suddenly an echo from God. Brought a, brought a whole new perspective to Jesus comes into the city. Everybody's worshiping him. And they ran up to Jesus and said, tell these people to shut up. Tell them to quit doing this. They're being too loud. You tell these people to quit worshiping like this. Jesus turned to them and said, if I tell them to all together hold their peace, who? The rocks would cry. Brother Chase, I'm, I'm, I'm not no, you know, uh, physician or scientist. But last I checked, rock ain't got a mouth. I might be wrong on this. Um, I, don't, I don't have a doctorate in anatomy, but I can look at a rock and see that uh, it don't have vocal cords. But Jesus said, if I tell them to hold their peace, these rocks are finna start worshiping. And you think it's weird when they start getting loud. You wait till the rocks start doing it. If a rock can't shout, how's it going to praise? It echoes. Can I prove this scripturally? I'm glad you asked. David said in Psalm 60, 61, 62, 1. I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me from his holy mountain. Even the Mount Horeb, the Mount of God. I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me from his holy hill. The hill means mountain. The Mount Horeb. He heard me from that, that word Horeb. Mount of God means a desolate rocky place. David said, I cried to the Lord. And he heard me. He heard my echo. You can't get an echo in a field. You get an echo in a canyon. You get an echo around the rocks. And David said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. David said in Psalm 64, 62, he is the rock of my salvation. Why? Because when I feel I'm so far out, when I'm so cut off, I can cry to the rock and the echo. Because if God's got an echo, honey, I got an echo too. 
cried unto the Lord. And he heard my echo from his holy mountain. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. That's why he is the rock of my salvation. He is my defense. In him will I trust. Lead me to the rock. That is higher than high. In times of tribulation, I go to the rock. In times of sickness, take me to the rock. In times of pain, take me to the rock. Because I know the rock will echo my cry. And the Bible said, Paul wrote in Corinthians and said, and they drank of that rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ Jesus. My God, I, I'm telling you, I wish I was 20 years younger. I'd cut a rug right now. And I wish I could dance for that matter. Amen. I'd do it. Because if, I, if God echoes, and Brother Guy, I can echo too. Maybe this is why David said, let everything that has breath Praise you, the Lord. Because you only get echoes from living things. Dead things don't echo. I ain't never heard a corpse echo. If it does, I'm getting out there quick, fast, and in a hurry. I ain't never seen a casket echo before. I ain't, never, I ain't never seen a dead tree echo before. But I'll tell you what can echo. Something that's got breath. Something that's got power of respiration. I feel an axe too. I feel an axe too echo about to break out in somebody's life right now. I feel like somebody's about to lift their voice and begin to cry out to the Lord. And an echo from heaven is going to resound into your soul. Musicians, come. Why don't you stand with me right now and lift those hands? Why don't you lift? Come on. Step to the edge of your situation. Stand on the catechism. Stand on the, stand on the verge. Stand on the cliff. Stand on the crevasse. Stand in the canyon. Stand at the edge of your mountain and lift up your voice and cry unto him. Because if you will echo up, I promise you, child of God, he is going to echo down. David said it like this. I read it in your text, in your hearing. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Brother Clifton, he said it like this. David said, For God has said it once, and I have heard it twice. Power belongeth unto God. So y'all thought I was done, I ain't. I'm just getting y'all ready for this part right here. Repeat, Sister Libby, put that scripture back up there for me. 62 and 11 of Psalms. Look at what David said. 
David said, for the Lord has spoken it once, but I have heard it twice. The power belongeth unto God. Listen to it again. God hath spoken once. Twice have I heard this. Power belongeth unto God. Go home and research that word twice. It doesn't just mean two. Matter of fact, the translators are not quite clear on this. But they do know it means somewhere between two and 20,000. David said, God has spoken it once, but 20,000 times have I heard this. It echoes. Power belongeth to God. Power belongeth to God. You got to get that echoing in your soul because he spoke it once, but I've heard it 20,000 times. Power belongeth to God. Power belongeth to God. I'm telling you, there's an echo of God in this place right now that's going to send healing into your body, salvation into your soul. There's an echo from God in this place right now that's going to push back the forces of darkness. That's going to push back depression and fear. There's an echo of God in this place right now that's going to bring consolation and affirmation of God's presence in your life. You ought to just move to the front right now if you need a healing if you need salvation if you need a miracle if you need a breakthrough if you need anything from God you ought to step up here and say God I'm going to echo my worship to you because I want you to echo down to me for God has spoken once but I've heard it 20,000 times power belongeth Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.